We ready today? Five, four, three, two, one. I already got people texting. Hey, well, y'all, what's doing? What's going on today? They should just be here, right? <clears throat> I want to talk to you this morning about something that is going to take us to through the next decade, I hope. I don't know when Yahshua is coming back. Uh, a man's got to be a fool to try to tell you a day or a time because he, Yahshua don't even know when he's coming back. The Bible says no man knoweth. I want to talk to you about something <clears throat> And I hope I can get it out of my head properly. But I just trust the, the Spirit of God that He's going to be the one who, who administrates this Word to you. And that we get the fullness of this Word even in my flaws. In my inabilities to communicate in certain ways. I'm trying my best and I'm just depending on Him not only to help me communicate it well. But that you also will have the ability, the Spirit of God will help you to understand what I'm trying to say. Two come together, it'll be a great, wonderful thing. When I, when I was a kid, <clears throat> there was something that always bothered me when I was in church. And I went to church almost every night a lot. I went to church a lot. And I noticed that a lot of the foundation and basis was based upon emotions which I'm all for emotions. I love emotions. I don't like the Hallmark Channel where they try to make you cry. I don't like shows and people who try to make me cry. When people say, hey, you better take a Kleenex because it's a good one. I, I don't like to see bad things happen to people to make me cry. I don't like to see people using that emotional thing to manipulate me. Poor me. When I was a kid, you know, they sing songs. I remember... Uh, when I was a teenager, there was a trio out, you know, they were Pentecostals and, and they had this, they were really into, into music. Their whole denomination is built upon music. Everything's music. And so it developed in this thing that people thought that emotions were the anointing. But what I found out is that people who were anointed with emotions more than likely didn't have any power or flesh and muscle to go along to they, that they would be victorious in their everyday lives. Even matter of fact, the guy who wrote these, a lot of these songs that I'm talking about now, he and his wife are divorced now. He wound up becoming, uh, going into, uh, I, maybe I shouldn't say all that, but I'll just say this. <clears throat> this is like one of his songs is this. Lord, you know I need a brand new touch. My strength from yesterday is gone. Poor little me, oh God, help me. See, I, I don't think that's a, a true Ecclesian Christian song. Even though we know life sucks. And we know things are hard. But what happens is we have developed and we've been developed and fathered and mothered by mass, mystery Babylon is what the Bible calls it. It's the harlot. It's the one who has taken and robbed the true gospel and has had all these denominational daughters. And i got to tell you, the daughters of the Mystery Babylon are very beautiful. Man, these women are beautiful. Now, I'm using this as an analogy, you understand. Not a real person. Like the Bible uses metaphors. 
and very powerful and very gifted. And I've got to tell you, you don't know how many times I've watched Bill Gaither and those old songs that remind me of my mom or, and my daddy when I was a little boy. When, y'all know what I'm talking about? The spirit of nostalgia that does nothing but freezes you where you are and you can't go on to where God's called you to be. That's what happened to Lot's wife. Man, this gifted American church, it's beautiful buildings, powerful influence, loves to entertain her audiences. Loves it. Cantatas. They're willing to bring real camels and cows into their sanctuary. And we sat there and ooh and ah, look at that. Mommy, watch that on the floor. Move running right along. She loves to tickle our ears. They love to soothe our consciences and tell us our sin is okay. And they're experts at what I'm titling this message, wetting your Kleenex. Wetting your Kleenex. I believe in emotions. I believe that godly sorrow, true godly sorrow and desire produces emotions. True repentance produces sadness. I'm talking about something that I believe is an enemy of us moving on and getting our well done, and that's called pity. Pity is an ugly thing to me, especially self-pity, but it's also true pity is a beautiful thing. This is the, the dilemma that we have. Where would we be in this world if there wasn't pity? In a positive sense, do you know that pity has bound me with people who needed something that were not able to ever give me anything back? I mean, I can make somebody love me that quick because I show pity and may give, maybe give them money. And you see them on the corner every day and they, hey, Johnny, Johnny, hey. God bless you. Thank you so much, sir. Am I against that? No. I think pity is a powerful thing. But because of that, it's, it's powerful. And, it's, and because it's good like that, it can be used as a leverage against us to manipulate us. Hello. And we're not altogether innocent when somebody shows us that pity and we fall for it because there's a measure in our self-conceit and self-congratulations that gets mingled even with the most selfless act that we have. Sometimes or most of the time down inside produces pride. I'm proud of myself. Look what I've done. That's why you've been taking for a ride, as they say. And when I take my ride, I enjoy the view as I admire my wonderful altruism or altruistic heart and person that I am. It literally can make me have a happy buzz when I think about how wonderful I am. Yeah, that's what I do. So kind of, as I found out, I'm real about it, it I've really kind of developed a, a, a form of codependency between me, a professional giver, and them, a professional taker. And I'm not just talking about the man on the street. I'm talking about people who are emotionally givers, emotional takers, or manipulative, manipulative givers and manipulative takers. Yes, this is a Christmas message. See, I think disillusionment is a good thing. I think to be disillusioned is a healthy thing. Because... Bottom line, I don't want to live in an illusion. Do you? I don't want to be in a place of deception of myself. 
But I have to be careful, though. I don't want to allow the capacity for me to be compassionate and, and have pity for people to be overcome by some overexposure of me doing it, for, especially for the wrong reason, or because I have this emotional need or whatever it may be in my deficit. That's probably worse than being taken advantage of. When you harden your heart, not allow yourself to be that giver because of those reasons. But I believe this. I found that people who are pity manipulators kind of have all the same things in common. One thing they have in common is it's an emergency. Sir, can I, I need some beer and cigarette money, and I need it now. I got to do it right now, right now. I have people come here. I need gas money. I'll tell you, oh, my God, my, 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 my son has been hit by a train, and he's down in Tampa. Is there any way in the world that you could help me out here? He said, give me a pity story. I believe the pity story. Oh, my God, let me see what I can do. Let's go. Yes, I'll do it. We, because we're in such a hurry, we've got to do it. It's, a, it's an emergency. One of the reasons, because if you take time to think about it, you might say, wait a minute, that don't even make sense. What's your son's name? Uh, uh, Bob. Oh, bear with me a little bit. I know I'm coming at a different angle maybe this morning, but I'm making a case to get to one point. See, I don't think a person with a real need demands. I think they can depend. And I'm really talking about us and God. Let's get it, let's get it straight. Our, our relationship with God, not depending, not demanding from God and manipulating Him through our self-pity, but having a relationship to where we are depending upon God. If you do not, at that moment, give that person who's using pity to manipulate you what they want right then and when they want it, guess what? Now you're the problem. They'll turn on you like that. Are y'all hearing me? Now I'm unfeeling. You ain't no preacher. You ain't no pastor. You ain't no Christian. And it's people like you that the world is such a mess it's in now and everybody don't have nothing. But you could set the world right today, Johnny, if you just do what I want you to do right now. If you don't do what I want you to do right now the way I want you to do it right now, then it's because you're a racist or you're prejudiced. You're, you're politically against minorities, immigrants. You think I'm an illegal immigrant. Don't you? They go, oh, no, you know, you, you're against people that wear glasses, aren't you? What, you got something wrong with homeless people? What, you got something wrong with? And I could go down the list. Right now, I'm using the analogy again of giving somebody money on the side of the road. But what I'm really getting to is how you treat people and how we have a relationship with Yahweh. Because we are the ones who have developed a relationship with Yahweh, wanting Him to respond to us by somehow being pitiful to Him. And I'm going to show you today, if, I, if you'll let me, that that don't work. And once you understand that, you probably won't be mad at God anymore. Because there's something He's got against you. Now, listen, will you, tell, will you tell yourself this? He's talking to me. Tell yourself that. He's talking to me. Because it's easy for us to get in a place that we think that we're doing pretty good that now this word ain't for me. I'm going to tell you, this word's for everybody in this house. Just like what happens to you when you die is. And it's probably more powerful than that. But I'm trying to teach you something that if you apply it to your life, you'll get a well done. One thing about that tactic is it never ends. There's no hope in them understanding the reason why I don't respond to their pity because they have already judged me guilty. And you know why? Because I exist. 
You are. You are alive. Therefore, and I want to tell you, when, when that happens, you know, because it, it has nothing really to do with ethics or love or anything like that. Because of your, my color, my, I'm privileged, what, whatever can be absolved. You know, you think I'm a Republican. He thinks I'm a Democrat. Whatever it may be. They, they will not give an absolution. They will not forgive and they will not get over it that you didn't respond to their plea of pity that I want to tell you will turn into a hatred rage. Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to humble myself and be pitiful and tell you my story. You don't respond to me. Let me tell you something. Here's another thing. You can't win with a pity manipulator. Pity manipulators are so turned in on themselves, man. I believe they're unreachable. You can't tell them nothing. They, they have feeling sorry for themselves, and you're not going to be able to reach into them. That don't mean you give up. I'm just saying, you can't reach them. And the only way to end that manipulation once it begins is by finding that hard part of yourself that ain't going to put up with a cheat and a liar and a thief and a manipulator without hating them and remaining Christ-like. And finally tell them, the, the pity manipulator, Look, game's over. I'm not giving this to you because of your sad sob story. I'm doing it because I've, I love you because Yahweh loves you. And he don't love you because of your pity party story. Okay, let's turn to Matthew. Unto us is born a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. We found lying in a, the babes wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Do you know what the word swaddling means? Hallelujah. I'm going to teach you this morning. I ain't worried about no swaddling baby. I'm talking about the returning king who's going to not do anything because he feels sorry for anybody. Y'all hear me? Especially ourselves. I love, the, I love Jonah. The story of Jonah is wonderful. One of the things I love him because the Bible says, you know, you want to know about, you want to know about the, the truth, what's going to happen? Go to Jonah. Three days and nights in the belly of the whale. There it is. I love it. But I'll tell you what I like about him. Because Jonah... I don't want to say is a or was a, I don't know which one, a self-pitying sulker. And you can work it out with you whether where you think you are, but I'm going to tell you, I've been him. I've been a self-pity sulker. I'm not endorsing this by any means. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to help us to get delivered from it, but I do identify with it because I'm given and have been given to similar kinds of sulking for me. You know what? I've given up. You know what I've done? You know what? It, look, and, every, and I know probably none of you are like this, so just let me get this off my chest about me, okay? For me, I'm thankful that God's Word shows people's experiences, His servants that had deficits in them because it make, gives me hope. And they more screwed up than me. That's good news for me. Like, my God, if Jonah did it, and also, John reminds me of God's mercy towards self-pitying sulkers like me. And he encourages me to lay aside that sinful weight. It's a sin that so easily besets us. You know the story, man. Yahweh tells Jonah, I want you to go to the Syrian capital, Nineveh. Judgment's about to fall on them. I'm going to destroy them. So Jonah suspected God's motives were gracious. Warned them so... I can be merciful to them. And he jumped on a ship, and instead of going and warning them, he thinks they deserved it, so he got on a ship and went the other way. 
So you know the story in a big fish. Somebody said, what kind, of, what kind of fish was it? I said it was a Gruber. Get it? Grouper? Uber? Grouper? Gruber? Forget it. I'm going to go home and feel sorry for myself. Y'all don't get my jokes today. He got in that big fish taxi and that fish intercepted him. Took him all the way back. Vomited him out. So Jonah obviously repented. He obeyed God. He prophesied to the city of Nineveh. Repentance broke out all over the place. And Jonah chapter 4 verse 1 said this. It displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. Because God forgave people who didn't deserve it. But yeah, but I've been serving you all this time. You bless them. You don't bless me. Poor me. Poor me, God. He knew the Assyrians. He knew that they were brutal to their enemies. Read the stories. And in the future, he knew they're not going to change. They're going to go attack Israel again. They deserve to be destroyed. And he also knew Yahweh, man, that he can be merciful to his enemies. Not out of self-pity, but out of a repentant heart. Sure enough. They repented, God relented, in verse 3 of chapter 4, not only did he get angry, he was so angry he wanted to die. i got to tell you something, I know people who are so miserable in their self-pity and wallowing in their self-pity, they just want to die. It's more, it's more prevalent than you may know. They may hide it from you, but I hear it. I get the calls. I'm done. I'm done. I'm finished. Poor me. I've gone through so much. Listen, there are some real legitimate things that people go through. And they are mourning and grieving, but they don't have to have self-pity. And it may get cloudy in the initial beginnings of it. Here we go. We see the, these things that are related to self-pity. So what did Jonah do? He went outside the city to sulk and to watch. I guess he's thinking maybe God will wake up and he's going to really destroy Nineveh. But guess what? It, don't, it ain't looking too good. He's sitting out in the middle of nowhere, and so what Yahweh did, he, he caused this plant to grow over his little booze, a little tent he made, and gave him a shade in the sun, in the, um, from the blazing sun. And then he sent a worm to kill the plant, which killed the prophet's shade. So guess what he did? He got angry again, and he just wanted to die. Doesn't it seem like a pattern? This wasn't something that, it was really his circumstances, it was something inside Jonah. It was something in him that he was a person of pity. And he believed that things could be manipulated by pity. And he lived off of pity. This is what God told him in chapters, chapter 4, verse 10, 11. He said, look, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there's more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? He said, look, you want to pity a plant? I'm pitying a city. Jonah said, well, you know, the plant made, made me feel good and it made me, it made me feel comfortable. And then when the plant died, guess what? I'm back in the sun again. He felt things were so unjust. Listen to me. If we do not repent of the sin of self-pity, everything that happens in your life you are going to think is unjust. And it will suck the life right out of you. None of them got to live. My plant died. My shade died. I tell you what, God wasn't giving Jonah nothing in his, 
in his way. Jonah said, I want this, I want this. God said, no, 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 no. The Bible says in chapter 4, verse 9, that, that he lashed out at God. I don't think Jonah was just feeling pity. The presence of pity and the effect of that in a person's life is unmistakable. I'm talking to you today from the experience that I have with people who faint. Why don't people have the ability to be overcomers and victorious in God? Why are they always quitting? Why are they? I'm going to tell you, it comes down to the carnal, ugly thing of poor me. And I don't get it my way. I mean, and we may not verbally just say it that way, but our actions say it perfectly. I don't, you don't get me this. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. You're a fool. You're talking about God. That's what, what do they say? You cut your nose off to spite your face? Well, I'm going to just do this. Listen, most of us know that anger. Because of our own experience and things that we go through. We, we know these things that shut us down emotionally. And when they do, they shut us down also spiritually. We know the desire to just sulk and lash out against anybody that crosses us. Now we're mad at the whole world. You ever seen somebody like that? Mad at everything and everybody. Don't like nobody. Now they become a recluse. Don't want to do nothing with nobody. What a horrible place. What a horrible place. Self-pity, I think, is something that maybe we've lived with so long we don't even recognize it. Maybe it came from a bad childhood. Maybe it came from experiences of the past. I mean, those things can live with you forever. But you don't have to. You, we are called to rise. We're called to be overcomers. You're not going to eat of the tree of life if you're not an overcomer. What do we need to overcome? I want to tell you. If you don't overcome self-pity, you will be a failure in everything you do. You'll never be able to enjoy your children or nothing in the, or your wife or your husband or anything that you have. It's a response to something that don't go the way we think it should go. It's a sin, but it's not a it's a subtle sin. You know, you don't, you don't break out with, with a rash from self-pity. You know, you don't, get, you don't get fever blisters on your lips and your eye don't swell like a sty in your eye. You ever have a sty in your eye, man? You're walking around like this, you know. You don't show any of those things. And I don't think most people recognize it because it wears the costume of righteous indignation. It's my right. I have the right to do that. I'm going to do that. They're mistreating me. Yeah, just like the guy who you're trying to give $5 to. Bevy and I were in Cuba. There's two kind of currencies in Cuba. There's a governmental currency, and then there's another currency there. And obviously it's not as valuable as the governmental currency, but it's spendable. There's a poor lady there, man. Everybody poor there. Look, we, we found out that communism and socialism and fascism and all that doesn't work. You know, the lady, though, that came up to us and Bevy, all we had was the currency without the picture on the face. If it had a face on the currency, that's the good stuff. This right here, spendable, but it's not like this. So Bevy Hender, not so good money. This is a poor person. She got mad at us. She got mad at us because we, so here we were, cheap Americans. Look, that's all we had. I think I was begging for something. I'd take anything they'd give me. <clears throat> and I think as believers, we should be able to understand that our 
attitude that we would develop is no different than that woman's when it comes to self-pity. We feel justified to indulge it after the injustice that we suffered. They didn't look at me right. They don't, they don't, they don't respect what I do. They can't, they're not giving me an open award show. You know, we don't have a big uh, award ceremony. I tried all that, man. We did Family of the Year. All it did was cause problems. All right, here's Family of the Year this year. I'm like, we ain't doing that no more. I was scared to even ask who had the sweet chili. Who made the sweet chili? Anybody made the sweet chili? Who? Chester made that chili? I like that sweet chili. My wife said, you like sweet chili? I said, I do now. And it was like, you know, there's, I have some others. But I got to tell you, for me personally, uh, that wins first place. Uh, he probably just made chili, poured five pounds of sugar in it. I'm in. It's like candy. That was equal? Equal to what? <laughs> Chester lied to you. That ain't equal. That's, that's Dixie is what that is. Yeah. I'm, I, would li I like that. But my God, I better not say nothing. So, well, I'll tell you what I did. I'm like, oh my God. That's why somebody said, let's, let's have a chili cook-off contest. I said, hell no. <laughs> well, I've worked too hard this year on Ecclesia of Unity. Man, we'll have, I'm of, the, I'm of the sweet chili. No, I like that pulled barbecue that Kivo made. No, I'll tell you what, I like the, the venison. Hey, can I tell you something? It, it causes division, little stupid things like that. Yes, it does. Well, if he don't like my chili, well, I just ain't going to do it next time. <laughs> I tell you what, though, when this house makes chili, we, we could have fed the 5,000, y'all. <laughs> Is that true or not? I want to tell you what, I kept wanting to go back, you know. I kept wanting to go back, but I'm like, I'm going to regret this. Then we all went outside, and we know why. So anyhow... When all that nothing happened is we didn't get our way the way we wanted it, the way we wanted it, how we wanted it. Man, it's a dangerous, deceitful, heart-hardening sin. It's a spiritual deadener. It chokes your faith. It drains your hope. It kills your joy. It smothers your love. It fuels your anger. It robs any desire to help anybody else. You just say, screw it. You ain't helping me. You didn't do that for me. I do all this. I ain't doing nothing for you. What the, that's the... That's the creed of a fool did you know that there's an economy of god that he's left with us in order for us to receive we he's given us a way to do it that we don't have to say i'm 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 not feeling so good yahweh can, I, can you do this for me because you know you know here i am there here by myself and there's nobody else in the around it. They think I'm all crazy. You Don't I deserve something because I'm the home? Yeah, you deserve something. I gave it to you. The truth to have immortality. Get over it. Cry baby. When I was a kid, man. The wrestling used to come on every day, every Saturday at 4 o'clock. And there was these two fat wrestlers. Baby blimp, blimp, and cry baby blimp. I hope neither one of us are that. Let me tell you what. This thing I'm talking about is a feeder sin. <laughs> it just it just feeds that sin, man. Come on. We're giving it to it. It encourages us to comfort our poor selves with all manner of self-indulgence. It's like, now it's okay for me to gossip. Now it's okay for me to slander people. Now it's okay for me to, to just, now watch me. Watch me eat now. Oh, I can be a glutton. And, and now I can, I can you have substance abuse now. We disallow that. We don't get our little baby way, which is for our good. 
And because we don't know how to receive from God and how to approach God, we think we're going to smooth up to Him and make Him feel so pitiful, feel sorry for us. And He's not, yo, Johnny's crying. <laughs> Help Him. He ain't moved by that. Y'all hear me? Initially He is, and He can be when He wants to be. But He set up this whole way of life. I got to tell you, once a kid reaches a certain age, I don't want them crying for crap no more. True? No. No. Ask me. But see, we think God is like the way I think God was. Instead of a father, I thought he was a, a mother who fretted at every little whimper and cry of her, of her baby. And we run just to make sure that baby was okay. God will let you cry. You hear what I just said? Just like your daddy will. Well, you... My daddy, oh, you're not going to eat that? A little bee in here for you when you get back. I've ate many English peas that crunchy like capers. <laughs> my dad, because my mom and dad came out of depression, and we always never went to bed hungry. Cookies and milk. And we get a big glass of milk crunch Oreo cookies in there. Now I'm on your page. Or a big bowl of cereal or ice cream or something. every night before we go to bed. I'm still, I ain't over it yet. You got this thing they put that in there because they were living in the depression and they went bed hungry my dad said okay if you're hungry you'll eat anything how many times did he tell you all that i don't like this well you ain't hungry then if you're hungry you'll eat anything son there would be that food i come in from playing and all get a bath come in there want me a bowl of cereal some oreo cookies and milk something like that nah no dad they're crunchy he didn't care. Hear me? Did he not love me? No, he taught me some stuff. Let me tell you what my mama taught me. I'm going to beat you till you cry, then I'm going to beat you till you stop crying. Anybody's mama said, I'll give you something to cry about. Oh, yeah, see there? I don't know what's wrong with the kids today. Because you don't give them something to cry for and then give them something to stop crying for. That's what's wrong with them. And we have a generation of adults and Christians are the same way. <laughs> my heart don't get my way. I'm, but I'm so, look how pitiful I am, Lord. He don't care. He ain't got time for your pity. Even though he's loving, he's understanding. Please understand what I'm saying. But when it comes right down to it, he hears the heart of your, uh, he hears your heart cry. Yes, he does. When you're in pain and you're suffering, yes, he does. But now for you to deliver yourself from that, you've got to step up and do what he said do. Eat that. I know that ain't popular in church, but I don't care. I ain't popular anymore anyhow. <laughs> Feeder sin. Gives you a reason to sin. You're going to binge now. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch pornography now. You're just looking for an excuse. I'm just going to get drunk now. I'm going to care. Hey, God ain't going to do what I want to do. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to serve him. I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit tithing. I'm going to quit giving. I'm going to quit doing. I'm going to quit obeying him. That, I'm going to tell you that. That's the sign of a big cry baby. When people, because of their immaturity, don't step up and walk into the maturity. And I want to tell you, all of us deal with it. Yes, it does. Same way when you get mad at your wife and she don't do something and look at you right and say husband and all that kind of stuff. Guess what we do? I, I remember as a kid, this was back before it was a sin to wear makeup. And women couldn't wear pants to, to church. And I remember there was a lady in our church who said she was going to, her husband said, I'm going to grow a beard. That was wrong too. I don't know why. I had a beard one time when I was young and went to this girl who 
sing, used to sing with me, and we went to her mom and daddy's church, and her mother said, Johnny, what are you doing with that right there? I said, I'm trying to be like Jesus. She said, Jesus didn't have, the Lord didn't have a beard. I said, oh, yeah, they plucked it out. That's funny. Let me tell you why. Because she didn't know any better. But you have this whole group of people who have this mentality and this attitude about the things of God and what God's doing and what he's supposed to, to uh, how, how we're supposed to get beyond these things. And this lady said, if you grow a, you grow a beard, I'm going to start wearing makeup. Or it was the other way around. I'm going to wear makeup. Well, I'm going to grow a beard. We use when people wrong us to justify our wrong. That's what we do. Well, I tell you what, ain't, I've done this, ain't nothing happened to me. Well, that's a good thing. Maybe you're tithing and maybe you're giving and maybe you're, you're forgiving and all that kept from something from happening to you. Self-pity poisons our relationships. I'm telling you what it'll do. It'll cause you to burn out. I can't do this anymore. I go to church anymore. I do everything. I tell you this. I, do, I try to do this and I try to do that. And they, people don't look at me right. And they don't give me. You know, look, we, we can't continue to pet your pity. That's not what ecclesia is about. But I tell you, if there's a need, we'll meet it. If you're hurting, we'll be there for you. But we may not be able to understand and do it. Uh, there'll be others here that have, can be touched by that because they have been there. Self-pity does us no good whatsoever. Even if we do suffer persecution for righteousness sake or, or some evil done to us. Hebrews 12, 1 says it's a clinging sin that weighs us down like an anchor. We've got to get rid of it as soon as we recognize it. There ain't no formula. There's no really way to do it except through obedience and faith. Obedience and faith. Repent to God for that self-pity. You can't continue with it. You've got to kill it in your life. Recognize it. You've got to repent to those people that you always put under the pressure of your self-pity. It really goes down to pride. People that get offended. I, I, I know a pastor one time years ago, we went after church and we had a long meeting and it was real late, about 10 o'clock. You know, when 10 o'clock at a restaurant, most people are ready to go home. This guy said, I don't care if y'all ready to close it or not. We're going to come in here because you don't know who we are. And he got mad because they didn't have the trumpets and the horns and the red carpet and the gold carriage. And, and, you know, they didn't have us carrying us in on staves and a throne. I mean, really, he got offended by this waiter because that waiter didn't know who he was. He said, man, you ain't nobody. So self-pity is really rooted in pride. Y'all hear what I just said? God hates it. Proud look, he hates. This is a proud look, believe it or not. <laughs> and when people come to me and they, they take a stance and, you know, oh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to defy you. I, all I can see is this. Like Layla. My little granddaughter Layla, I'm going to tell you something. I've got to get her trained. Because when I get over there and look at her, she does this. Am I telling the truth? She's over there. I'm, I'm writing her face. Hey, she's looking at Aunt Michelle. So I, I walk over there. She, and when I get there, she gets focused on me. She, and I see a lot of people I know. And I hear them talk. And I hear them withhold. And I hear them. And all they're doing, all I can see is this. My heart breaks for them. 
You repent of those people. My God, I'm screwed up. Please forgive me. I'm, just, I'm immature. I'm oversensitive. Whatever it may be, because that's the root of it. That's why people get their feelings hurt. If you feel self-pity, then you've got to realize that it is something that has become an, an ingrained habit probably your whole life. Manifested in some way or another. I had somebody tell me one time that, I started to explain this to them, you know. They said, I don't have that problem. I said, no, you have narcissism. You hear what I said? And really the core of narcissism really is self-pity. That's true. You look at it, it's pride. It comes right down to it. It's all about me and my mom. And you don't like me. You don't they? What about me? I'm a, I'm, nobody likes me. I want to tell you something. I, know, I, I hate to see what happens at Christmas time when grown men don't get the special thing that they wanted their mommy and their wife to get them and they don't get it. And they're going to be a big stinko over stupid, immature stuff. I ain't going to hang around him. I ain't going to go over there. I'm going to do this because I'm going to tell you what. I'm just, I, my God. I'm going to teach you something today that I'm going to entrust the Spirit of God to haunt you about that's going to make you victorious these next 10 years. I guarantee you your whole life will change. Guarantee it. But you've got to replace this type of behavior and expectancy with that of true faith in God. How do you do that? Let me teach you these things. Receive these things. Come to the house of God. Because this is where you're going to work it out. House number two is where you're going to work it out. And you're really going to work it out. What I'm after, ultimately, is you working it out in house number one. Because when you lay around and cry, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we just got to get it out of us. But when we lay around and pour me and God on it, then what you're going to do, poor, poor God is never going to be able to help you because he exists. And you'll, you'll blame everything that has ever happened on him. And it's not right. God is just. Why don't he help me? Don't he know what I'm going through? Of course he knows. He sees and hears everything you've been going through. through. But he does not mainly move in our life out of pity or out of feelings. Do you hear what I just said? He don't just look and say, oh, poor them. If he was, everything would be worked out. Let me tell you what God has done so you can understand this. He hardly ever intervenes in the lives of people on this planet. He's given man his own time to prove to himself he can't govern. My God, if we've ever come to the epitome of that, I have never seen, I've never seen anything like it. Don't we know now we can't govern ourselves? But I don't need Congress to show me that. I learned that about my own self a long time ago. See, modern Christians are going to tell you that God's going to mainly move because he feels sorry for poor little old you and have other feelings. All I got to do is show you that commercial that's extra long. And he's singing, In the eyes of an angel. And they show those dogs and stuff like that. I turn that mess off. Man, I'll be down there at the, I'll be down there at the animal shelter getting a divorce. <laughs> Hear me, Joel? I'm going to go at the animal shelter getting a divorce. My wife loves animals. She just don't like what they leave. And I'm with her. And people get mad at me for that. People show all these horrible situations of children. Let me tell you why they're doing it. They want to get your money. Y'all hear what I just said? Yeah, but it helps some people. Well, let me tell you what you do. You look at, at the administrative cost. Now, if they're going to give all the money to those kids, and I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I'm not against that. 
And I'm not against administrative costs. But you know, when a guy in a, in a I don't want to name any names, you know, because they make, you know, everybody, I'm being watched on national TV right now, and somebody may hear about it, and I don't want to get sued. But the fact is, millions and millions, there's people collecting money every Christmas. I don't give them a dime. They got $10 billion in the bank. You ring that bell to me, I ain't running off. No. Y'all hear me? You got $10 billion to make. You spend that, then I'll help you. You don't need no help. $10 billion, you know, I mean, I, I think the interest rate, even if it's low, you can kind of live off good off that. God don't move off that pity stuff. He don't show, he don't show that. See, everybody tries to do that with Jesus at Easter. Poor Jesus. He died upon the cruel cross of Calvary. He got beaten with stripes. Look, it's horrible. I get it. I appreciate it so much. But that ain't going to get nobody saved and make nobody change because they feel sorry for Jesus. I want to tell you what. Yahshua don't feel sorry for himself. You know what I just said? The Bible says he joyfully endured the cross. That's what my Bible says. Why? Because he knew what was said before him. He didn't wallow in pity. Poor me, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to get resurrected and live forever. These present sufferings aren't worthy to be compared to where we're going. My washing machine broke, Johnny, and I've been tithing for three months. Well, you needed a new washing machine. <laughs> he only responds when faith is manifested in him and his word is obeyed. When you and I operate in the laws that he's given to us, that's when God operates. I was going to tell you a story about Hannah, you know, and what happened to her. She was barren. I guess I am telling you. But she's barren, and, and man, she was so sad and all that. But finally, besides sitting around and pouting and, and doing all that she did, had to wallow in self-pity, she finally did what God expected and continued to what? And what he continues to expect, to put an end to her dilemma. She didn't say, Lord, Lord, he promised me a baby, and I've been waiting on a baby. <laughs> Poor me, I don't have a baby. And it really goes back to your self-image of who you are. Because you're trying to make something good out of something that God said is no good. Remember what I told you last week? There is no good thing in your flesh. Your heart is deceitful. That's what repentance is. You realize I ain't good for nothing. And but, but because he loves me, there is my self-worth. Not because for me, I'm just, a, you know, I'm just flesh. I'm just human, God. And I, I screw up all the time. And could you just help me, please? No! I'll deliver you, raise you up now. I've shown you what to do. You have to use your faith that starts as a mustard seed. And you've got to grow it. Into the full bush. Psalm 4, 5 says, Offer the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in Yahweh. Don't try to make everybody, and especially Yahweh, sensitive to your situation that you think is unjust. Use your faith, and that's what God, how He will bring deliverance to you. Yeah, people are going to try to get you to try to wet your Kleenex. And boy, it works. Preachers even practice crying, won't they, Kim? Because they want to move you emotionally. And when somebody tries to move you emotionally, it's manipulative. Y'all hear me? It's manipulative. Well, you know, 
my family <laughs> look make your let your needs be known when we wallow what we're doing is we're just removing god out of the picture when we complain and have self-pity and yeah but i've look what i've done we've done nothing and can do nothing we say look i'm not here to tickle your ears i'm not here to soothe your consciences i'm not here to entertain and i'm not here to wet your kleenex the admission price to that church is your life the bible says in proverbs 5 that that woman feet goes down to death and her steps lay hold of sheol we create our own results out of our faith and this is a little saying that I want you to remember, God, Yahweh, your heavenly Father, is moved by your seed. He ain't moved by your need. Y'all hear what I just said? I haven't taught on seed time and harvest in a long time, but this is something we've learned years ago. Your need is irrelevant to Yahweh. Because what He's done is He's given us the way to grow out of that and be delivered out of that. What is your seed? It's your faith. It's your trusting. It's your believing Him. How do you do that? Well, one of the things is by the, what you say. You know that that's a seed that goes forth and brings forth. You know, So when, when, you, you, when you speak life and death, if you speak death, that's what you're going to get. Pretty soon, once you, all that self-pity you have in you is going to come out of your mouth. Guess what? Then you're going to hear it, and you're just going to become it. Because you will believe what you say, even if it's not even true. It will bring forth things that are. Your world is framed the same way Yahweh frames the world. Yahweh didn't do this. <laughs> Man, there's no stars. Why are there no stars? I want some stars. Why are there no stars? Can we have some stars? <laughs> I've been good. He didn't do that. He framed the worlds by what he spoke. And it wasn't a first time speaking, so to speak. He spoke Faith. He spoke what God said. I gotta tell you, not only you speaking it and influence yourself in a bad way, but you can be around people, and if they're negative all the time, you'll become negative. I tell you, I told people, I used to tell them this all the time when I was young. I said, Look, it's easy if I'm here. Oh, sorry, Doug. It's easy if I'm here and you're up there. It's easy for me to pull you back down than it is for you to pull me up. And you've got to be careful who you're hanging around and what you're allowing to be put into your head and what you believe. You know, somebody's, somebody got mad about the Hallmark Channel letting two lesbian women kiss on a marriage on television commercials. Y'all hear about that? Well, I'm going to quit watching it, daggum, if they're going to be like that. That was a joke. I don't watch it. You're mad? You're mad because they're, they're putting that on there? You shouldn't be watching that Hallmark stuff anyhow. Because all it does is creates environments that move you emotionally. And you start hating. You start suspicious. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm the meddling now. I don't quit. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go there, y'all. What's wrong with a Hallmark? Well, I want to tell you what. If it's creating something other than godliness in you, and, and you're going to be in developing self-pity about yourself, and you're going to relate to that. Now you're uh, suspicious of your husband or your wife or your whatever it is. Tithing. Look, tithing should be something you've That should be already not even a question anymore. 
Offerings. It shouldn't be a question when there's needs, you know, first fruit offering. You know, I, I love it when people get a new job here. I don't have to tell them. They know that the first paycheck of a new job is a first fruit offering to the Lord. And, and they don't even complain about it. They can't wait. They're excited. That's what I like. You may tell why I like it. Because they ain't afraid that God's not going to do what, they, what he said. Yeah, but what if it don't work for me? That's your impression of yourself. You'll hear what I just said. We're afraid. Because really, bottom line, we, what if God don't do what if God ain't alive? That's why people need miracles all the time. To keep proving to them that, yeah, God's alive, God's alive. What else do you want him to do? I want to tell you, we got to pray. We should, be, we should be praying all the time. We should be sinning less. I said you should be sinning less, not more. I put something on Facebook the other day. I said, you know, a true believer, his, his love Goes from, an inner, from a voluntary muscle to where we choose to love, it matures and develops and transforms into an involuntary muscle that you just automatically love. We keep doubting, we keep unbelieving, we keep, oh my God, we gotta do this again. Oh, we're doing that. Oh, my. let me tell you what, self pity and whining is something you got to get over. Bottom line. What kind of cookie I had in kindergarten doesn't matter to me today. What kind of cookie is that? I don't like that kind of cookie. How many of you know I don't care today? And what you're going through today, as hard as it may be, and I'm not talking about real issues of life that we go through, you know, loss and all these kind of things. I'm talking about this petty stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But even that, when we stand before Yahshua, you're not going to care. That don't mean you're not going to love your loved ones and all. I'm, don't please, don't get, you know, don't use that against me here. What's going to matter is one thing, though. You and you're well done. You're not going to say, well, man, they talk bad about me. You're not going to worry about it. You're not worried about your cook, kind of cookie you had here. You know, and don't worry about if your car broke down or, or you know, something didn't work out or, you know, somebody broke up with you or something. It's not going to matter. And if you believe the true gospel, you will believe that and you'll live your life toward that ends. When I push you to increase, when I provoke you to good works, when I stay and say, no, 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 not yet, we're going, we're, doing, we're not going to stay where we are. Even though if we finally got to a place that's better than we've ever been before, can I tell you something? You ain't finished. Because what's going to happen, you're going to get old and tired in that place. I told somebody, don't waste time trying to preach the gospel of the kingdom to somebody that has the same hairdo they had in college. Because they ain't going to change. I'm going to tell you what my Bible says. Johnny, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Yeah, but what about the people that you know, they, don't, they think I'm crazy, Lord? Don't worry about it. Yeah, but Lord, you know, what is this? Poor me. All I'm doing is revealing to me that I'm still immature, I'm still a baby, and I don't have faith. Come on. Somebody should amen that. That right there is like really good. Please amen it. Amen. Lord, ain't nobody amening it. And I'm trying to. Hey, not only can I do all things, listen close. We will do all things. We will do all things. We will overcome every obstacle. And most of the time I found this out. What I thought was bad 
turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Bye, y'all.